And welcome to Thinkering. If you're joining us live watching the video feed, watching us back on the socials, or listening to us on the podcast feeds, we appreciate you so much. For any information on any of those things, please check out thinkering.space, where we have uh, links for adding these wonderful things to your life. Because we're going to talk about life today. How are you doing, guys? I'm Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. I first want to say that I have a high tolerance for dealing with things. Uh, Nick, you can attest to this as far as like my tolerance to pain. I'd like to think that it's it's pretty high, stubbornly high. In fact, sometimes. Also with emotions, uh, you know, I, I shed a tear or two every now and again. But it's one of those situations where it, it takes a lot for things to get to me. And then I break. However, yeah, you're 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 kind of a guy that likes to just suppress it and bottle it and form it into a really, really caustic diamond and then explode a whole bunch of glittering diamonds out of you. Like just where we are right now. <laughs> Because, yeah. uh, of course, one of the things that uh, well, well, we will be discussing today, um, regardless of potentially being demonetized, even though we're not getting monetized, that's another conversation for another day. Um, we're talking. We're going to talk about the the coronavirus, what's been going on, how all of us have been dealing with it, because now uh, we are essentially about a, a little over a month in to uh, being locked down in our respected locations, uh, Keelan being in Los Angeles, um, Nick being uh, down in Long Beach, close to Orange County, uh, myself uh, currently in Fresno. Originally, when this all started, I was up in Oakland and made my way over here thinking I'd you know, kind of run away from a few things, but nope, he followed me over here and uh, I still got locked down and I was okay with it. I was fine. I was cool. Up until maybe the beginning of the week on Monday, where I don't know, woke up and just things Over it. were, yeah, things just were not 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 uh, clicking and things were not uh, moving in the right uh, lubrication of of aspects and ratios. You know, things just weren't going for me. Um, my state of mind up until now, it and I mean now Friday at this current moment that we're recording this. Um, yeah, man, it has finally hit me. And this, I just, this being isolated in, um, in a confined space based on being told or suggested or forced or, uh, whatever else scenario that's going to come about this thing mandated. Um, yeah, it, it, it started, it's starting to irk me. It, it well, this I was on Monday, and then right now I'm just like just over it. <laughs> but welcome um, to the dark to, side. Yeah, I know it just took me a minute, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I was trying to figure out why my state of mind was the way it was. Um, one thing that I have shared before in the past, and in different instances of, of this podcast, and in different instances of conversations that I've, I've had with people, um, not not too shy to talk about it. But you know, I'm uh, what the seven years sober now uh from drinking and uh can't say that i actually yeah i can't say that that's not even that 
this is how much I over I got to it. Like I didn't even have the time to register that in my head. Like, wait, I think at some point I should have clicked and be like, man, it'd be nice to have a drink right now. But no, not even that. Not even that. Like, I'm just nice. over this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no escapism. I think that that's, that's what we're realizing. And, you know, it's, I, I think what you're describing, Jose, is something people are starting to feel more and more. Um, everybody has their tipping point. Uh, we found out a couple episodes ago that my tipping point was a little bit early. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I think your tipping point was on par because so it, um, I think all of us should talk about the timeline up until now. Um, right. Is that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, I think it's fair. Um, so if, if I may, uh, you know, I will, uh, I'll make mine quicker than lay it down, man. Yeah. So um, get over here to Fresno, you know. Just trying to deal with uh, things as they go, and um, you know, as much as I, I also don't, I don't think we need to go full personal on like what's going on with our uh, employment status and things like mm -hmm. that. We could talk about it, but for the sake of this, uh, I, I let's just say things are good for me there. Um, they're not, they're good, mm -hmm. no complaints. But you know, I've been managing right, like obviously new. Uh, home working environment that I had to establish. Um, I, I don't know when the last time you and I and Keelan, uh, we all had a, a, a recording where I had a official recording setup because it, mm -hmm. I think since last April, yeah, it's been a while. So even right now, this is a temporary setup I have. And, you know, it's all because I'm, I'm just trying to balance things out and, you know, try to have some form of, of normality. Mm -hmm. And that was me in the beginning. And I think I was pretty, I was doing pretty, pretty well at that. Um, and then of course, now fast forward to now, normality is what was before as far as like, for example, this setup, you know, what I had before normality mm -hmm. is not this, this isn't normal. <laughs> no. like, so why, why I guess now I've hit the point where like, why, why have I, um, why have I spent the time trying to make something um, when it doesn't need to be, or at least I should I should express that instead of suppressing it, which leads me to my next you know stage of of or phase that I was in. Since phases is the word that we're going to be using for the week, word of the mm -hmm. week, guys, phase or phases. <laughs> <laughs> so I get here. Obviously, we've had episodes where we've discussed how things are going, and you know, uh, uh, clearly, I I appreciate all the opinions that the three of us have as far as our views on what we see and what we read and what we hear, and great conversations. You know, it, it's um it's important. I think that was one of the other things that I it also come to my realization is like keeping to yourself to a certain point not such a great idea yeah but this is where the, the disconnect happens that i'm observing now so sure. while others clearly were more proactive on like you know being social with everybody or at least talking to people i know a lot of people out there you've for the first time ever you called your parents up uh, for the right. first time ever you've right. called a, a, a longtime friend you know people are doing zoom meetings facetime chats we're, we're doing this on Streamyard. The Which, future is wonderful, isn't it? Right. You never have to see anybody ever again. They're already in your home. Welcome to the future. Welcome, welcome to the year 2000. 
yeah. and 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, for the most part, I've, I've been okay with that. Um, and I guess my gripe isn't even with that. Like my, my gripe now is that I'm finally at the, I'm over it point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, we, I, the three of us catch up before we start recording. And one of the things that I said that like stuck in my mind is trigger. We all have a trigger and we all have a trigger point. And my trigger point was this week. Mm-hmm. And it was based on a post that I normally try to ignore from some people that I claim to have call friends um, on my, my Facebook feed um, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because they were coming. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those situations where it's somebody that's already in the fire and they're complaining that uh, we have to have some form of a uh, uh, fire insurance set up for, uh, you know, uh, saving them, but they're already in the fire. So it's like, it's no logic behind that. Like or more or less, you know, this person could be an arsonist on their own. They are not that bright. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> they're competent, but not bright. I'll just say, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to, it's not. It's not Facebook. Even, what else is new? right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, anyways, but so, I see this, and the post was a gripe of of one, one group being more attended to than the other group, which is one thing we are also going to be talking about today, because I think it's important that um, even with the conversations that we had earlier this week leading to this episode, we, we all have different views on who's being taken care of and who's not. And that's important to have. That's important to have a conversation on that because we all have um, we all we all have a reason behind having our views and they're not out of malice. They're not out of a bad place. You know what I mean? But some people, for some reason, don't register that. And and it's annoying because I, I'm not one to, you know, press somebody or like try to debate them on nonsense. You know, <laughs> that's why we, we have this platform, you know, where we mm-hmm. can try to discuss things, which we could also talk about because we all just took a test. <laughs> <laughs> that mm. we will actually be discussing on a future episode, but we'll bring it up later um, because I, I I think our rationale behind every single thing that's been going on, or at least that we've been talking about um, or viewing, um, yeah, we all have opinions, but these aren't irrational opinions. And I know that that's something that, I don't know, that's it's going to be more common going forward. I, I just feel this, this irrational opinion concept uh becoming more more reality because now we're up we're in a we're at a point in our lives in technology where we've let it go like it's it's run amok now like it, mm. we can't stop this this perpetual system i mean we can't um, we can but but it's not going to stop well it would have to be voluntary we would all have to decide to unplug but that's not going to happen so uh, right. do we do we want to go in the circle then? I can recap kind of what's been going on from my timeline, and then we can get to Keelan, and then we can get open up to a broader discussion. That's yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is our second kind of main episode conversation about this situation, and I think in the prior conversation I was being a little bit hasty perhaps i was being a little bit unhinged about my opinions at least some of my 
input and and uh, <laughs> and constructive criticism was that I need to dial down my rhetoric a little bit. Um, so I'm going to do my best at maintaining a certain level of nuance through this whole conversation and trying not to trying not to go too overboard. But I think what is important for me to clarify, especially with that episode, is that I've like Jose has been saying, I have been at that point already and I have been there for at least a few weeks now and I'll tell you why. So the last interaction I've had with humanity and society in any normal capacity was actually on March 3rd and it was coming back from seeing my mom and brother for a very short weekend trip um, up to Northern California. Uh, and as soon as I got back, my job, which, you know, I work with only a few people in my office, but we just started doing everything remotely. So as soon as I came back, everything was remote. It was basically, I was in quarantine already. So I basically have been in quarantine. I've been operating in this self-imposed quarantine for uh, over a month and a half, basically. Um, <clears throat> now, I think that that's probably one of the reasons that I was a little bit more um, fiery or uh, angry in our last conversation. But I think Jose makes a good point. And it's if we get passionate or if I get passionate, especially because I tend to, um, it's merely because I want to convey how much this means to me and how important this, I believe this is. And not just for myself. I truly believe that the things that I was saying and the stance that I'm taking currently and still am is for the betterment and for the best of our society. And I really truly believe that. I don't think that I don't think that we're doing ourselves any favors at this point anymore from letting this drag on any longer than it has to. And I think what triggered me to go back to Jose's um, sort of construction here, what triggered me the most was when we heard from Gavin Newsom and he was not painting any end in sight and was very callous in the way he was telling us to just suck it up and deal with the fact that we all have to suspend our lives for an indefinite period of time because he says so when he's not taking a pay cut he's not he's not social distancing these politicians right. are all surrounded by news media constantly right. they're not isolating at home these people are conducting their day-to-day -day lives and they're living their lives normally while the rest of us are suffering. And I think that that's where a lot of my anger came from in the last episode. Um, be getting deeper into these topics. So I'll wrap up, but that's kind of been my mentality and my timeline so far. Right. And for myself, it, it's, it's been a very interesting timeline for me simply because it's it began really just on an information basis. You guys know the capacity uh, I have, I carry my workout in. And within that, also my lady and the way she, the capacity she works in, there are no relief. There is no relief. There, there it's, you're working. Mm -hmm. That's it. That That's the whole statement. You get a memo, memo says, you're not getting off. Ch uh, suck it up, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, because of that, it took, I believe it took me a little while longer to adjust to the 
temperature of what's really going on for so many other people like yourself, Nick, being in the home, in the house for so long and it being self-imposed before it was mandated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for people who know me, I'm not as bad as Nick when it comes to being a germaphobe, but I'm very much so like, I don't want to touch this because I don't know who else has touched it. Or if I come into contact or in a breathing space with someone that I just feel isn't as clean as I feel they mm-hmm. should be, I'm going to be a little cautious um and in this scenario i find myself looking at my own parents sometimes just hey i'm gonna i'm in your area i'm gonna stop by why are you out of your house Mm. right oh Mm. well i had to i was leaving work okay that's reasonable now go home Mm -hmm. you know i would love to see you but if there's nothing pressing or you know if you need to stop by in and out and that's how we've all been kind of handling it so for me the temperature has gradually increased. And then there were times where I felt like uh, we were at about 500 on my side of town and in my environment. And then we might drop down to under 250. So mm-hmm. um, I think, and I think that has a big, big impact. Um, you know, I live in a greater Los Angeles area now, which I hadn't for a while and I'm back in that area. So I notice a huge difference when I travel outside of the greater Los Angeles area. It seems like the businesses outside, uh, if you go 10 minutes across, those businesses are shut down or they're closed or they have signs. They won't let you in without masks, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Whereas um, if I go two minutes this way, they're running and everything's fine and nobody's saying anything. Like you said, just like the politicians. And that's something else that's been very unsettling for me. Um, and I'll use the word triggered as well for that. Something that has constantly raised an alarm with me is just you had you'll literally look and you'll see two people walking with a mask and then you'll see one person walk right by them with no mask or you'll be in a store somewhere and you'll see uh such levels of cross-contamination i'd rather not even discuss it the things i see Mm. i'll give a list cell phones food gloves purse face uh, a basket all of those things got touched by one hand Right. Um, so a, a lot of that for me, and I think that's just because I'm so observant. I, I'm very, I try to be intuitive. I try to know what's going on around me. And those are the things that are swaying my feelings and how I'm looking at this situation. But again, I don't, I've never really felt like uh, we live in a clean uh, community, if I'm being totally honest, like society wise. The people that you congregate with, I think, are the closest people to uh, um, what you can stomach as far Mm -hmm. as cleanliness and discomfort. I also have noticed um, it's a herd mentality for more than just how they're trying to promote the herd immunity. The herd mentality is also, I see one person wearing a mask. Oh, hey, let me go get me and my family a mask. Oh, wait, I see that the police aren't wearing masks. I see that this person over here that I trust in to a certain extent is carrying like this way. I think that um, comes into a problem simply because a person like myself, I had to learn a long time ago in college and and through sports that you have to find your own identity in things. Um, You have to know what you brought to the table and how you turned this situation versus what you receive from someone else and simply applied it to yourself and your situation. I think a lot of people are simply opening the curtain and saying, oh, okay, everybody else is doing this. So I could do that today too. Yeah. 
rather than uh, self-assessing, really mm-hmm. understanding, hey, I, I have allergies. So having allergies, what I don't, what I probably shouldn't do is uh, uh, go and sit with my friends over in their driveway for two or three hours simply because my allergies are going to turn into a sneeze attack because I'm outside and that sneeze attack could turn into me spreading germs to my friends. Now we all have COVID-19 and none of us had it when I came here, but I already had some type of uh, contagion in my system that I know I could spread. Yeah, Personal responsibility. Thank you. Exactly. And so for me, I think that is the the largest, if I I had to put things on a scale, that is the largest lack that is Mm. going on right now. And I think people just haven't spent so much time with themselves. Mm. I, I truly believe the average American... And I'll say between the ages of 18 to 40 at at 31 years old, I'll use that age range. And um, I don't think the majority of them spend more than an hour with themselves in a week, in a seven day span. Um, That doesn't mean sleep. That doesn't mean shower. That doesn't mean eating. That means honestly sitting and saying, how do I feel? What is wrong with me? I uh, I was going to bring up really quick too. I mean, and as a joke, but actually it's, it's a true statement. I, because I, I believe this, I could be wrong, but I for all three of us, because we all have partners, um, yeah, not even the bathroom at this point, right? Not, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm serious, like not even no, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, you're right, like there are, I, I, which of course is another thing I, I, I was reflecting on, is like, am I, sp- like, can I not take myself, um, myself worth for what it is and, and value the time that I would spend on myself. Right. And I was just wrapping my head around that. Well, I think that's also, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But I think it's also important for us to, to be cognizant of what our self worth was to us before this started, because that's going to play a major part into how attentive we are into that process. Um, again, before, and I mean, before this started, the average American probably did not spend an hour with themselves in a seven day span. So during this, um, let's ballpark it. We're probably at about week eight, week nine, something like that. So by week four, the average level headed human being realized, oh God, I, I've never spent this much time with me. And it took probably about a month easily for them to realize that. And then getting to this point, now they're probably learning those things that they don't like about themselves. Like, hey, what can I change about my person? What can I change about my habits? What can I change about my interactions? And that's what I was saying in our original episode about uh, our situation is the mental health aspect of this can be a very big, huge, and I mean huge benefit of this if we were to utilize it that way. Because a lot of what is going to draw drive people stir crazy, a lot of things that are going to uh, help Kevin help Kevin fever set in are those things that we don't know about ourselves when you don't know like yourself Jose you're aware that uh, you're seven years sober and that has not come into your mind well the person who doesn't who isn't aware that they have something that can hold them back they're gonna run to it rather than be aware that that's what they need to avoid and, and that's where the fear for for myself as a for the society that's what my fear is for society that people won't realize what I had the luxury and you had the luxury and I know Nick has as well on different things. We've had the luxury to realize in our lives what needs to be removed and to what level um, we can allow things to play a part. And by that, we feel we have enough control. And I, I say all of that again, because that is how I feel. That is what I had. Those are the stages I went through in the first weeks or two of this. 
And it was the confusion of myself going back and forth to work, my lady going back and forth to work. My mother is still going to work. Um, and at the same time, my father, my sister, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, who's out of the country, they're all not allowed to go to work and or retired and in situations where this even drives them a little bonkers because uh, imagine <laughs> working 40 something years, you retire and now you have to be stuck in a house, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I think there's something to be said about the idea of making lemonade out of lemons. And mm-hmm. I think you're right that there is an opportunity in this for people to focus probably on things that might be healthier in their for their life, um, uh, for their mental health, for their body. Um, you know, I've I've lost like two two sizes since since being in quarantine. I'm working I out every day. Great. Congratulations! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. I am working out every day. I'm not eating as much uh, takeout. I'm just cooking my meals now, obviously. So. You know, like I, there is there is an opportunity to turn things into a benefit, mm-hmm. um, but a contrary to that notion is, I think it's really important that we have a a, a, a sizable population of people who cannot stand what is going on right now. Agreed, and it I think helps the dialogue continue. Well, and it not only helps the dialogue continue, but I think that if we were to, if we were to make lemonade out of lemons each and every time we were given lemons, we'd realize that we're, we've drowned in a sea of them. Uh, uh, You know, like we, we need to balance the idea of making the best out of a really terrible situation and also knowing that this situation stops when we say it stops. Right. And I think when we were talking about this in our last episode, we were debating about when that point is. I think more people are getting towards that point. But I think there's also a resistant side to all of this. who People who perhaps are better off than most and think that, you know, don't mind not having anything to do for a few months because they have plenty of money to take care of themselves. Um, Those people seem to be in my estimation, the ones that are pushing for, you know, saving lives over opening the economy. You know, you can't put a price on human life. It's more important to us that we save each and every individual in the world before we let anybody make money ever again. And I think that the short-sightedness of that idea is not only dangerous, it's incredibly simplistic. And to think that saving a handful of lives is obviously a good thing. So I won't try to say that what we're doing is not necessary. There is a necessity to this so that we can we can minimize the harm done. But I also think that what we are cooking up while this is all happening is going to destroy way more lives than the virus does. And I'm yeah. not being hyperbolic about that. If we're, if we're talking no, you're, about... You're, you're saying something that, trust me, it's going to be... It's, again, because again, we're in that era where mm-hmm. um, if you want to put it out there as this, you're saying something that we're all thinking. We just didn't say it. 
you're the right. one that said it, right? right. It's a, that, that, I mean, I put that in long lines of that. I mean, that you're, I agree with you in that, as that with that line, like mm. it, the, the short, because this is considered, this is considered a really long short term yeah. <laughs> uh, goal, right. but the long term effects are, are going to be bad. They're going to be bad. Yeah. There's yeah. ramifications behind everything that's going yeah. on now. 100%. Well, and I think, I think a lot of my anger is coming from an idea and a notion and i don't necessarily know if my feeling or intuition is correct about this but i i feel like there is a certain contingency especially in california and other very left-leaning states that has a point of view about capitalism per se and western society per se that wouldn't mind to see it all crumb crumble Mm -hmm. there are people out there that hold positions of power in these governments that wouldn't mind seeing a total economic collapse. I mean, hell, we don't even have to be conspiratorial about this. Bill Maher went on, on his show and said that he would prefer an economic collapse if it meant getting Donald Trump out of office. So when I did Bill Maher, Bill Maher said that on his TV show. So when I when I get upset about the callousness in which you know uh, 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 an authoritarian figure tells us that this is just how we have to deal with it, I'm instantly brought back to the constant misanthropic lines that the same group of people have been spouting for the past five or six years, and I'm noticing their trend. And the reason I get upset when they, you know, when they say let them eat cake is because they've been saying it for quite some time. And now there's there's actually a precedence to do something. So that's not to say that I think that there's some sort of conspiracy to kill the government and kill the economy or whatever. But I think that there are people who are leveraging this for either personal reasons or business reasons or both. Oh, one thousand percent. I, I, we, I think we as a whole know that there are uh, entities that play for that. Um, my, my question on a whole is, what does either side stand to gain? Mm -hmm. There are people who want this to work so that we can have a a re reformation of the economic structure of the world, you know, internationally, mm -hmm. globally. There are people mm -hmm. who simply want to go back to what we've already been doing. There are people who just want to implement a new system. Right. My question is, what are the benefits of each of those? Uh, because we we are the what they call the peanut gallery. We're mm -hmm. not the, the lottery balls. We're, none of us are going to get our number called to come up and make the decision. We're yeah. just going to be the balls that got left in the bag that never made it to the machine, basically. Yeah, yeah so pretty much. <laughs> within that, of those those op those opportunists, those people who are in that op that realm, who's going to say the right things? It's, it's the same way our president's chosen. It's the same way any of mm -hmm. our politicians, our aldermen, our council member, who's going to say the appropriate things to say to make us say, oh, "Okay, you you like us, you like us the best yeah, today." You're on our side, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and what are well, those things? What do we need well, to hear? I can, I'm I'm happy to even just elucidate a couple of them mm -hmm. because these aren't again. You know, like I, I feel like I have to qualify myself every time I come up with information because I <laughs> I feel like I come off as some sort of like crackpot. But um, 
this isn't any crack pottery. All we have to do is look very closely at what they're talking about for Dr. Fauci came out of just a couple of days ago talking about how immunity cards might be need, needed to be in, implemented. Um, and, and so that's one aspect to it. And then we also know that they're trying to create a sort of digital ID named ID 2020. So in my perspective, the people that are that are that stand to gain the most are going to be the companies that sell the surveillance technology to track COVID-19, the companies that are able to do mass testing and the companies that can come up with some sort of vaccine. Those are the biggest elements to this. And I think the most nefarious aspect of it is the surveillance aspect. And we're starting to hear this more and more in the rhetoric of our authorities about things like contact tracing. Now, that's been thrown around over and over again by a whole bunch of people. And nobody really picks up on this idea of contact tracing. Well, what they're saying is, is that if you're found out to have COVID-19, they're going to basically contact, like follow the breadcrumbs of your digital profile to figure out who you were interacting with during that time so that they can too go to those people and continue to do so. So what we're doing right now is creating the perfect storm for an Orwellian surveillance system that will track people and not allow them access to certain areas if, if they don't have immunity. Right. So we essentially create another underclass to the underclass. It'll be the people who didn't get the virus that have to stay home. Or that did get the virus, got uh, uh, recovered, and still didn't get the vaccine. Right. Um, because it could come back. Right. Yeah. And it's it's actually, think about the whole, the economic side of it, right? There's just simply an easier way than waiting for people to spend their money. Because if you're in a situation where you're locking people down and you're trying to track people on a, from an economic basis, that almost doesn't make sense mm. because you're saying, don't spend, don't go, don't go. So it, it's almost all digital at this point, right? Mm -hmm. But what is happening in certain places, you have to sign in. Yeah. So what, I, what it made me think about is we already opened the doors for that. For, oh, yeah. for as you said, the or the Orwellians. Uh, can you repeat exactly? Orwellian how? surveillance. Thank you, Orwellian surveillance. Yeah. For, uh, sorry, guys. I'm honest about sometimes I can't pronounce certain <laughs> words. Well, it happens to us all. <laughs> but um, with that, it, we've allowed that in so many different terms with mm -hmm. our cards, with mm -hmm. our um, the scanners. Fit we how many mm -hmm. different things have people given up their fingerprint for just so they could sign in and out? How many yep. things? We have our phones. We give up our facial descriptions just so mm -hmm. we can sign in and out. And we'll use that for everything. We'll use that for our bank. Now they have it. We'll use that for our social media. Now they have it. And once your social media has it, guess what? You can probably find it on Google. I'll kick it a level deeper. How about all of those Facebook games that mm -hmm. talk about yep. give yourself one point for everything that you've done? Yep. And it's a list of illegal things. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that that's being put into your profile? Because I filling those out at twenty five. <laughs> I know I've never done those because I'll do them in my head, but right. I'll never I'll never comment on it. Yeah. Because and it's the same thing with that ten year challenge thing, right? This yeah. is what I looked like ten years ago. Now this is what I look like ten years at later. And if you well, committed a crime helping, in the statute, thanks for stuff, helping the uh, facial recognition software figure yeah. out how aging works. You yeah. dumbass. 
Like, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We are giving these things away and, and, and we do it in order to, we, we give these things away for two things, security and convenience, Mm -hmm. but we don't realize that, huh? Mostly the second. Mostly the second. Yeah. Convenience for sure. But in this situation, it's going to be for security because we can't allow another person to die from this virus. And if we do, we're monsters. So everybody's companies are closing tomorrow too. So everybody's going to have to get this app on your phone that tracks you. Or if you don't want to carry it on your phone, we'll just put it in your skin. You just have a little RFID chip in your skin. So that way we can make sure that you're going to all the right places. You don't go any place that you're not supposed to. We want to make sure that you guys are safe. We have to keep you safe. Well, I think this is the narrative that's been driving me crazy for, for this whole time is that it's, it's a perfect recipe for locking down harder and harder on us. Right. Well, also, and and this is something that I've said, uh, I know I've mentioned to you guys in private talks we've had, but they talk to us like we're children. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people don't see it because they are children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You I believe you have to graduate past a certain level of integrity and morals before Mm -hmm. someone saying to you, you can't make the best decision for you becomes an insult that you're not willing to take any longer. Well, what what have we done in the past 10 years? Have we created a generation of people that run to authority anytime something bad happens? Yes. That can't be it, right? Twitter Twitter can't be a testing ground for creating a culture of people that call other people out Bolshevik style whenever something no. happens. No, this is oh, all for no. fun and games. No, this no, it's to all be nice fun. This other. is all for connecting with each mm-hmm. other. It's not to train a mass Family and friends only. It's for a free world. Oh, it's wait, 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 wait. It's 2005. It's for yeah. college connectivity. That's right. It's for college kids to have fun and <laughs> chat about their rock and rolls and their skateboards. Man. Yeah, totally. No, it was 2003 to be friends with Tom. Oh, yeah, that's God. right. That's right. Tom never let us down, you guys. We all need to go back to MySpace. Definitely that's my to vote. MySpace. Tom I'm never pretty sure that's still up and running. running. It is. It's still there. We yeah, can all go right now. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably I don't my login. Twitter. We just don't know it. I don't remember my login either. I have to if choose. you remember your password. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, I think... You know, and I, I've had heated discussions with my wife about this, and she's a saint for for listening to my crazy ramblings. Um, but it's the totalitarian tiptoe, and it's you know, it's not to say that there's some sort of grand conspiracy that you know people are constructing an idea to you know rule the world or whatever. But it's more that these there are people in power who are opportunists, and they're merchants of opportunity and so when they see a situation like this they see dollar signs because they know how they can manipulate the situation and make as much money as possible and you're going to see some people become very rich off of this and so that's what gives me a lot of pause is that when i see the narrative of these people in power become we need to tell the people to just get used to this situation. And so what we're going to do is tell them that the the curve is in two weeks. The curve is in two weeks. I, I, we still haven't. We're still two, we're still two weeks away from the worst it's ever been. I mean, yeah. at least uh, from what I'm hearing, we haven't hit the, 
the peak yet. Nope. It was you know, last week. Then it was our last government. Week, our, was our governor week. is saying, yeah, our governor is saying we're not even going to hit the peak until mid-May, maybe. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, you're still hearing maybe, maybe I might. Why? Well, no, I think I'm mishearing something because I think we hit the uh, well from what I've collected at least today. Mm. Um, today marks the day of of most death deaths in California, and for what it was worth, it was. I, I think he described it as at we are at peak mm. now. Like, mm. but but the, now the problem is California. I don't know the exact number. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I know yesterday. I have a rough estimate, but I, I would like to know what today's number is too. I think it's like twenty three hundred people. I know it's less than three thousand. Yeah, I know it's less than Louisiana, Jersey, New York, and I believe Washington State all right. together, uh, uh, each individually. Mm-hmm. Sixty thousand cases, I believe, and about two thousand five hundred deaths. So, look, the, the, the genius of this idea is that now the government can say, well, we did our job. Look, it worked, you guys. It worked. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing is saying, yep. oh, it worked. See, this just proves that we need to be further locked down because it's yep. working. But these people and, you know, we talked about this situation, um, you know, the government in you know, New Jersey is just saying, basically, we're not going to get back to normal until we stop seeing cases. Mm-hmm. Which I think is is a ludicrous notion. All right, real quick. Uh, as of now, uh, well, mm-hmm. that's death. So let me go back here. Lovely internet that's slowing me down because it knows I'm going somewhere. Where it doesn't want me to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Is that the rain? Oh, never mind. Um, for a brief, I wanna, I wanna. This could be a brief segue into something later. Does anyone else find the irony in the planet's lungs being on fire last year, a.k.a. the rainforest, and this almost seemingly exactly 11 to 12 months later? Hmm. I mean, it's definitely a it's a demonstration of possibly the fractal nature of reality, I, I would suggest. Yeah, it's, right. It's, well, it's and also... New. Certainly. Right, and also considering once we went inside, the excess up uptick in uh, different types of weather events and the migration of different animals and the reproduction of some animals, even those held in captivity, mm-hmm. it's 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 so many different things. Um, well, I think it definitely shows that we have a a significant impact on our environment. And this, that, this, that was what I was saying. Right? Yeah, this definitely is uh, the nail in the coffin to the idea that you know humans don't do anything to contribute to pollution or climate change right. or whatever. Like, I think we obviously contribute in some respect, or else you know we wouldn't have freaking you know coyotes and and all the fauna coming back to the city centers. You know. Right. Um, right. All right, go ahead, Jose. Do you want to brief us? Uh, well, in California, uh, 501. 501 uh, deaths? Yes, to date. For Wait, COVID-19. What? That's been reported. 500? Yes, 500. So why is this the Black Plague? Why, Why is the media telling us that it's 2,000 some odd deaths when it's probably 2,000 some odd cases? 
Yeah, well, I think we have something well, like, like 60,000 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, we have uh, 251,000 tests. Uh, tests given out, cases. Mm. Um, can't. Um, I think it was something like There we go. There we go. Yeah. 29,000. 29,000? You scroll up, you just you pass it. 29,000 right 29, uh, total confirmed cases with 501 deaths to date as of April 17th. So we're talking about a 0.5 mortality yeah. rate? I'm going to say maybe 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7. Yeah. So look, I don't think that anybody should be perishing and I don't want anybody to die. And I think that it's good that we're taking measures to protect our community because we've all decided as individuals and Americans that we are going to socially contractualize ourselves into doing this. But I think we also need now that it's our decision when we stop and it needs to be our decision when we stop because we're all deciding to play along with this game, but we all also need to decide when to stop playing this game. And I just think that certain people are going to come to that conclusion a lot later than most people are ready for. And I think that that is a recipe for disaster because you're going to have people. I mean, people are already ready. Basically, if you're not ready, you're, you're, you're being overly cautious and bless you for being cautious because you're being considerate. But the idea that California is not even entertaining the May 1st deadline, like, now some states are starting to say that they're going to open on May first. I, yeah. I think Michigan already started saying they were going to do that. A couple other places have said that. Texas is targeting for Monday the twentieth. Uh, must say mid yeah. May for them, right? Yeah, Texas basically oh, wait, was April like, 20th? "All right, we're done with this." Yeah, April twentieth. Yeah, and Florida. Uh, and they Florida. started easing um, um, uh, beach access. Hey, Florida mm -hmm. needs um, to sit down somewhere. Let's be honest. Let's be... Yeah, well, they, they forget how recent but, spring break was. I don't think they're ready. But the thing, look, but this is also what we might need to take in consideration. What if they don't get hit? Right. And it's just, that's just what happened. They just didn't get hit. You know what I mean? And, and so I think we also need to put that into consideration because it seems as though nobody in, in the media wants to consider the fact that some states might just not get this as much. I think there's um, an agreement, and, and I, I want to say that, but I mean it loosely when I say, I think there's an agreement amongst media not to oversight, excuse me, yes, not to over-accentuate how often or, or how frequent it's going to be that on, there are hot spots and there are cold spots. How mm. realistic it is that uh, uh, Idaho probably won't deal with this the same way that uh, Tennessee will. Mm. I don't think that that is uh, in the the media's best interest because that will only do what it did from the beginning of the shutdown is drive people to those places because i heard that's what kind of happened on the east coast is they they shut down new york and said yeah, oh they don't have this going on over right. here and then they yeah. ran over here and, right and i think that's why uh we don't hear that as much however really likely right uh however i think another reason we don't hear that as much is we we don't the same reason uh we didn't hear as much about say joe exotic and the whole tiger king situation mm -hmm. there are certain parts of america that mainstream media doesn't care about they're they're not on their radar they're not a part of the um balance so to speak they're they're not they aren't the 
the people that they need. They're the people that they want, but they're mm -hmm. not the people that they need. Right. So if you can get Idaho and Nebraska to vote for you, cool. But you need Texas. You need New Hampshire. You need Florida. You need New Mexico. You understand? So mm -hmm. uh, you need Nevada. Everybody needs Nevada. Yeah, you need a united front, basically. And so within that, I think that is why we don't hear as much about the, the places that are coming back so uh, faster, the places that aren't being hit as hard. As hard as Louisiana is being hit, the only thing we're being told is they are being hit. I think that says enough about um, that there is an agenda behind what's being covered. Well, I think we it's understand all, it's everywhere already. Right. But I think it's astounding that we're not looking at societal conditions for this virus. The fact that 28,000 people live in a square mile in New York, New York yeah. is indicative to me that the one of the reasons that this violent the virus is so prevalent in New York has to do with population density mm -hmm. and has right. to do with viral load and exposure. So it would stand to reason to me that in more rural states and where people are more spread out, you're not going to have the viral, you know, pandemic that is New York because of the societal structure of differences. You know, New Orleans got hit because they let Mardi Gras happen. Mm -hmm. And that's just basically thousands of people jammed into one street partying together, you know? So yeah. th the idea that, that the virus is just this is going to be, treated with the model of the same normality and they did this with italy too when they didn't take into consideration that italy has the most uh multi-generational households in the in the european union they have more people old people living with young people and that severely affected their numbers 100 so i think it's interesting that we're ignoring the external factors that could be possibly agitating the virus and just treating it as the new york virus right it's not the same <clears throat> right you no, know? I, and i agree with that i think um a big part of that goes back into how our infrastructure works towards citing problems researching problems and 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 putting it into them uh mm -hmm. something i was told today that in belize they've only had 18 cases right um of those 18 cases i believe they said uh, there were only four deaths I could, or I could be wrong about that, but I, I know there's a very low number of deaths. Maybe it might only be two deaths if I'm right. being, uh, but I know there's a no, low number of deaths, but the story is heard that each case, all of these people have been found to be at the exact same event. They were all at the exact same event when this all began. And eight of those 18, all 18 were in attendance. Not one of those people that are in that country that have contracted the virus came from somewhere else and weren't a part of that group. They were all a part of that group. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a, a huge thing that maybe it's the municipalities. It is the way that we run things and why they're, why that's not coming up. Not saying that they're not talking about it that way in the boardroom, but they don't feel like it's prevalent information to the masses because I don't think they think we would understand how easy it is to say, hey, there's three of you in a room. You three are going to get the disease because there's a, you know, throw some science on it. Explain it to us from a, a or explain it to us in layman's term. Talk to us like we're third graders. I don't care, but be honest with us. But and I if think there's not enough honesty. 
Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying about personal responsibility, though, because I think what my what I'm trying to demonstrate is that the idea is, is that this virus is really a problem in New York because people in New York all ride in the same subway cars. They all touch the same things. They're constantly interacting with each other. And it's a breeding ground for germs in the same way that a place like Wuhan is, where it's highly dense lots of crazy stuff happening. And I think to your point, when you were talking about how you think, you know, every state has to kind of be on board with the same sort of message. Perhaps the idea is that we can't, we can't admit the fact that New York is getting fucked over because they, of the way that the nature of that city, Yeah, you know, Oh, so we just have to treat it like it's going to do this to every other place in America when it's clearly not going to because scientifically that's not possible. It's yeah. also just not possible because of the way certain you know cities are all different. New York is one of the perfect breeding grounds for something like this because right. of the close proximity. Everybody's in an elevator, a subway, a taxi. Right. You know, they're always in each other's space and public um, transportation in is public. their mode of transport it, it, i think it's very much so like uh being a norcal public transportation is more of the norm than having your own vehicle right um or or even if you know someone with a vehicle you guys all kind of carpool or or, mm-hmm. or is that what they call it? yeah carpool together yeah yeah um, there, there's um yeah and to talk about uh how the Bay Area has had it right for a long time. Mm-hmm. They do this buddy. They have this like stretch um, down um, down Spear uh, in downtown San Francisco. That uh, and it's it's uh, regulated by the city. So there's signage um, where there's a, a city on the East Bay side or on the South Bay side. And um, wow. I actually sound like I'm from San Francisco now. Great. Um, <laughs> but essentially people go to these different posts along that stretch of, of, of street. And yeah, you get in because the carpool requirement for the the fi- for the, the Bay Bridge is three people minimum. So people pay a dollar. Uh, I've heard up to $10 sometimes, wow. sometimes free because um, wow. the guy, the person just needs someone in the car to to make yeah. three to go in the, in the get into the carpool entry so that's been a custom there that everyone is very tight-knit the difference between the bay area and new york is that everyone that works in new york also lives in new york everyone that works in san francisco can't afford to live there so mm-hmm. case in point you know we, we all have to Commute. get on that get on that barton <laughs> Yeah, you know, go through. Hopefully, I mean that's certainly the case for Manhattan. Everybody, most people don't live in Manhattan that work in Manhattan. That's for sure. They all live in the boroughs outside of Manhattan, right? And also, let's be aware of how these same places consider. We're not just talking about people that are in really small spaces in large groups. We're also talking about people who are in recycled air regularly. That Mm -hmm. is, I, I was having this discussion today. I'll list a few things. Your car, let your personal vehicle, eight times out of 10, you don't have fresh air coming in. You have your AC on, that's recycled air. You're mm-hmm. in an elevator, that's recycled air. You're yep. in a, any type of public transportation, bus, train, plane, it's recycled air. You're in your grocery store, it's recycled air. Um, I'll stop there. I just yeah. have four good ones. 
you look at that in itself, and again, you put these there's so many people. One person walks in, the next 20 people are at risk. One person, those 20 people walk out, guess what? Now yeah. everyone that comes in after them, it's a cycle for the rest of the day. No matter how often, this air is gonna keep pushing itself through. It's gonna mm-hmm. keep pushing itself through. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also something that needs to be looked at is ventilation with um our structure of society. Well, it should also be it should also be looked at, though, too. And this might be in a contrary point uh, necessarily, because if you look at the Diamond Princess cruise, 700 people were on that ship. And I don't think 17 or 20 percent of the people actually got COVID-19. Right. So it's strange because you would think on a cruise ship, everybody's getting it, you know, but apparently not and maybe that has to do with what they call viral load if you were in uh you were you know washing your hands more if you were touching things less if you were making sure you weren't touching your face as much if you're just naturally that type of person then you probably weren't taking on as much of the virus as somebody who wasn't washing their hands all day who's touching everything who just kind of let that you know, build up and build up. And the more of the virus you get, the, 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 the harder you're hit by it. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it, you know, there's so many factors involved with this whole thing. It's hard for me to accept that it needs to be treated with such a wide scope, but also if we are to start individualizing and personalizing these things, then it ushers in the necessity for more and more of our information to be given over because we're going to need to, if we're going to start, you know, zoning in on. We're going to need to start doing things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, contact tracing that, um, Jose, you want to uh, Nick real quick? Uh, could you uh, could you repeat your last statement? Uh, you were coming in and out there. Oh yeah, no, I think I was just I was just kind of reiterating what I was saying before. But I think what what need to, we need to be careful with because the idea of trying to zoom in on this virus and get more specific about how we handle it and how we treat it. While that is a good thing and that's probably something we need, it also in hand gives the government more and more of our information because by necessity, some entity will have to um, be able to collate all that data and store all that data in order to do that sort of thing. Right. And that's actually something I uh, wanted to bring up because I've been very curious to know if I'm the only one who's noticing Everything that has to do with the virus, everything that has to do with uh, uh, stimulus care packages of any sort, uh, not just the whole tax pack, but anything, everything is asking household numbers. Everything is asking mm-hmm. uh, uh, income rate. Everything is asking uh, marriage status, dependents, you name it, they're, they want to know. And if you ask me, I think the country, not just our cities, not just our states, the country is very much so aware that every year they send out a little booklet or a little uh, package to us and it says census on the top. And most mm-hmm. of us frisbee that thing right towards the trash can. Mm-hmm. Um, well, most people, not us, because 
Yeah. I don't do it every well, year, but yeah. Well, once it, you once you have a more permanent residence, you can't it, it, avoid them. They exactly. sent me a threatening uh, letter, and I was like, "All right, damn, Jesus!" Well, They're that's like, why I had to be- rephrase. <laughs> yeah, that's why I yeah. had to rephrase because I've gotten one of those as well, and I was like, yeah. oh, "Oh, I guess you can't yeah. just avoid this." Right? I guess not. <laughs> but essentially, there are so many different aspects that are now continuously, continuously, continuously asking for that same information, and mm-hmm. I think it's um. It's multiple things. It's uh, one, we want to ensure validity. So and efficiency. Right, and efficiency. So if you're continuously mm-hmm. giving us the same information from different angles, then okay, we know for sure that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. But at the exact same time, they're, again, they're aware that everyone's not filling that stuff out. So it, it's also helping them get a general ballpark of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Also keeping in mind, we stay in a sanctuary uh, uh, state. City, yes, state, state, state yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I get it confused. Is it city, county, state? It's a state. Um, yeah, all of it's it. a sanctuary <laughs> state. Yeah. yeah. So uh. even within that, what some people don't consider, but it is real, we also have to consider that some of our funding, some of our uh, resources are allocated for uh, 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 the people who come in that are susceptible to being inside of a sanctuary city for sanctuary. I don't want to, you know, use any particular terms because that isn't just immigrants. Sometimes it's a refugee. Sometimes it's someone who is simply, they could have got caught up in some kind of uh, illegal situation that they were in, not saying that they were the one committing a crime. Maybe the crime was committed against them. Now they're here. Guess what? They're put Mm. in that situation as well. Mm. Um, And within that, I think these are, also things that need to be and have to be readily discussed openly, not just by us, but by our uh, leaders, the people who are who are the people who are in charge of saying, hey, you have too much milk for the amount of cereal in your bowl, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we got a good starting conversation there. I know there were some articles that we wanted to get into. Um, and for sake of not allowing this to go into midnight, because it very, very well could, uh, we should probably start getting into those articles so we can, uh, yeah. so we can get a, a little bit on the ball. Uh, Jose, you want to start us off? Yes. That. Oh, uh, one moment. iPhone hung up. (laughs) (laughs) We're experiencing technical difficulties. We will be with you momentarily. I got one uh, if you guys want want me to start with it. I'm just waiting for Jose just because he's he works well under pressure. So I think it's good to good to hold his feet to the fire sometimes. Is it a lighter or or a, a fireplace? Yeah, uh, which one do we want to start with? Uh, and pick your choose. Choose your poison, man. Whichever you want to start with. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's see. Um, one of the things that uh, actually we were just bringing up right now um, 
regarding the, and in a way of sanctuary cities uh one of the topics that has come about um or conversations that have come about um involves uh, who's getting um help financially uh many of us may have received a, a little deposit in our accounts this past week by someone that you may very well have never supported probably have much negative opinions about but uh at the end of the day you're gonna take that money and say yep, thank you, you are gonna take it and you're gonna oh, smile on your face knowing that you took it from someone so yeah appreciate it you know <laughs> <laughs> uh however that was for um as part of a, the stimulus bill that has just you know passed and um American citizens that have filed taxes either for this past tax year or the year before get a direct deposit. Um, or if you submit your information through another website, you can get a check mailed signed by fearless leader, mm-hmm. um, which would go on eBay for a lot of money in the future. Just watch, just watch. That's um, probably right. Uh, yeah. I sure yeah. Um, however, and of course I'm bringing this up with consideration of, um, of, of a detail that was brought up today in today's uh, coronavirus task force uh, briefing at the White House. Um, uh, uh, but what brings it back here to home in the state of California is uh, one, supp- one, one vital supply chain um, that clearly has been uh, next, uh, you know, next to uh, medical personnel as far as like uh, the level of exposure uh, is the food line chain, which includes agriculture and farming, uh, uh, infrastructure for transportation and, uh, you know, people shipping stuff from point A to point B, the people in the grocery stores receiving or in market receiving the product and selling it to uh, individuals or businesses. And for those businesses that are still in operations um, to create food, um, meals, uh getting it to the consumer that way. So uh, they illustrated that yesterday in a press briefing in California that that's, you know, for our state, that's our food line chain. And yesterday the, the order, the executive order was made. Um, there is going to be some assistance for that food line chain. So farmer, uh, uh, truck driver, grocery store clerk, restaurant staff, not not sure about management, but staff, they will get compensated for two weeks of, of, of paid sick leave if they, in fact, are dealing with the coronavirus COVID-19 issue. Essentially, non that's, that's, been, that's, that's been around, though, right? That's not, not, no, and, and not this not one. Really, not really, no. No. no? This is, I mean, it's a new thing. It's an extension. A lot of... Um, uh, from, from my end, what I've seen, what I've heard, and uh, even with my company... There's been bulletins and memos that have went out essentially letting people know you could not even at, at a certain point, they weren't even allowing people to use their sick time anymore. Um, anybody who doesn't understand or doesn't know your company pays for your sick time. You put in the time for your vacation it's so for them to deny you, which we all know. It's just the situation that they're utilizing. And I, I've heard of so many different people who are going through this. Um, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits after this. <laughs> uh, I've heard of a lot of people who oh, yeah. came down yesterday. Their jobs didn't send out a memo saying to them about two weeks. Some people simply got a day or two off. Mm. Um, there's a lot of 
loopholes, I'm guessing, or, or, or pockets in which people are sitting and waiting and manipulating the terms in which their things are being issued. Yeah, well, I bet I think we also should probably look at this as, you know, like a lot of those. So I, I, just to give you my experience, we own restaurants. My family owns restaurants. We own six locations. We employ 300 people. Those 300 people are entitled to each of them 48 hours of sick pay a year. Now, normally they wait until the end, until November, and just cash out those 48 hours of sick time. Because under California law, you have to give them it without any fuss or muss, um, or you can get sued. Because that's just the reality of living in California. But what I will say is that if we as a business can't keep our employees even the hours that they have because the money that went to small business in California is already gone. We can't bring those people onto our payroll to actually pay. So we can't even pay them their sick leave hours because we're not making any more money. You know, look, we have our restaurants usually make around $40,000 a week. Between the six of the restaurants, we just make about $40,000 a week. So we've basically taken our revenue and divided it by six. So we're working off one-sixth the revenue that we normally do. We can't pay our employees those hours. And that's where these small business loans were supposed to come from. But something happened, and they all been snatched up. And it would be very good for us to know where that money is going. And I think you know, the idea that we need to bolster the supply chain is an obvious one. You know, we don't get anywhere without farmers. We don't get anywhere without truckers. The people that provide the supply chain are a crucial piece of our society that needs to be helped. Definitely. But I think, you know, we, we don't recognize that we are we are going to allow a ton of businesses to just die because we had to prioritize and that's fine, but we need an, a leader that's owning, that needs to own up to the fact that they're complacent in letting certain businesses die because I don't want to be BS about how you're going to help small business when I know that there are many out there that are never coming back from this. Right. Never coming back. From well, I think that would cause them to have to uh, speak to the, the extent in which capitalism runs our society economically, which mm. is like, it's it, not really a different conversation. It's kind of the exact discussion we're having at this moment. But um, I think that's a different conversation in terms of how people are willing to discuss it and how it's willing how willing we are as a society to admit that that is what we have accepted and been abiding by for I no longer in my lifetime of our country. It's right, right, yeah, yeah. Country. It's also the basis of capital itself. So the idea of a business is a capital, right. capitalistic idea. Yeah, I'm like, so um, I think that if they were, if we were to visit that, um, honestly, on a political, like as a political discussion what capitalism is and what it does to large and small businesses in situations like this. Like you said, all they have to do is just be upfront and honest about it. And people who are in that situation have to then make the decision. Do I want to liquidate or do I want to stand firm and try to make it work? 
Well, even further, if the politicians were honest about how they are going to be complacent in the screwing of small business in the middle class, especially here in California, then we can at least be informed on who not to vote for in the next election. Yeah. The problem is, is that they don't want to make the risk of, of basically oh. flat out saying we are taking risks and we are going to we are happy with sacrificing certain industries if that's what we need to do. And that's what they're saying right now. I believe so as well. Now, you know, we can segue right into the 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 article I was shared with you guys about restaurants. Mm-hmm. California is now saying that if restaurants are to come back in any sort of capacity, they'll never be full again. Now, I restaurants are my bread and butter. That's where I you know, like I'm I work to run restaurants. That's my thing. You know, I'm not like, you know, the most hands-on. I do mostly clerical work, but I do a lot of compliance and HR stuff as well. And I've been around this for long enough to know that if you're expecting any restaurants to survive, you cannot tell them that they can run fi- they can only run 50% capacity. The rents for these restaurants are not going to change. They're going to remain the same. So either what's going to happen is you're going to have restaurants cut 75% of their staff across the board, or they're going to fold. And either way, you're dealing with major loss of employment. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody is really caring about this fact, to be honest, because you really have to think about how many, how many people are employed by restaurant industries, you know? bar bar industries these types of dine-in sitting places you know they're talking about the idea that that even after the rollout of the final phase of the opening of the economy they're not going to have restaurants more than 50 percent filled you're you're sentencing restaurants to death that's what you're doing and they're doing it for maybe not the most um you know, uh, successful restaurants, certainly, but the most restaurants run off of paper thin margins as it is, and they barely turn a profit. Like you're, you're always a month away from disaster in a restaurant. And to think that these businesses that employ mass amounts of people in our community are going to be hit in such a way is I mean, we don't know. We did, we are not ready for that impact. We're not ready for the restaurant industry to crumble because that's going to be mass unemployment. Yeah. Uh, with you speaking on the unemployment rate, or not on the rate itself, but just on unemployment in general, I think it's interesting how they want to continue to discuss the boost in unemployment. And I think this is a very serious time for them to change the rhetoric of that. Mm. that people are applying for unemployment no people are applying for living assistance yeah not it's not quite the same these aren't people who are unwilling to work these aren't people who are incapable or unable these are people who are told they cannot yeah you guys told us we can't work so yeah yeah. but good luck collecting any sort of unemployment now because we've already we've already flooded the system Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the system can't take it nobody's getting paid for unemployment Right. But but I'm saying even within that, I just think uh, because all of the articles and all the coverage on the, the rates that are rising is unemployment's raising to a record high and unemployment's this and un- living assistance requests 
are rising by the day. Living assistance requests. How about we just call it what it is? It's called joblessness. Jo yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it what it is. Jobless. That's more to me. That sounds more serious mm -hmm. because, you know, I think George Carlin had a great bit about this, about the flowerification of language and how we've started to make language soft. You know, yeah. he was talking about how, you know, soldiers used to come back from war and they had shell shock. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was it was it was, you know, violence uh, and it was a good adjective and it perfectly described what happened to them. Yeah. Then it became post-traumatic stress disorder you know and so i think that we have this 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 tendency to flower up our language in order to make the pill easier to swallow and i think we need to start stripping some of those 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 habits away and call it what it is it's joblessness it's not unemployment because unemployment has the tinge yeah. of oh these are free freeloaders no right these are right. people that lost their jobs. They were taken away from them. Yeah. So yeah, we should call it what it is. We shouldn't just call it, oh, these are people who are, you know, taking advantage of the system. Right. No, most, most people want to live their jobs. And you have to think in a place like Los Angeles, where rent is, you know, on average $2,500 for a one bedroom or two bedroom, you know, how are these people going to live their lives? And most of them are waiters, you know, right. like most of them make money make off of their tips. Yep. They make great money on tips. You know, we, 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 we raised such a fuss about the $15 minimum wage for, you know, dining, you know, people, but then most people that work in restaurants don't give a crap about their hourly paycheck. Right. They don't care. That's not where the money is. The money has always been in the tips. Right. You know, yes, I think we should always pay a minimum wage to our servers. And we always have, you know, everybody always gets paid minimum wage on top of their tips. So, you know, but this this idea that that we can just cripple an industry like the restaurant business. And see and just face with the repercussions, I just don't know if I just don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking, you know. Yeah. They're opening gyms before they're opening restaurants. Oh, one of the things I was going to mention next. Um, there, I think there's a misunderstanding um, from our leaders. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that. From our leaders on what essential is mm -hmm. um, and what necessity is. We, I think we're, we're out of the essential phase and now we're getting into the necessity phase. And that's the things that are starting to be opened back and given back to us like gyms. Mm -hmm. uh, however... I think there is a huge misunderstanding in what you need and what you want. We don't need gyms. Mm -mm. We need we libraries. We don't. Yeah. You know, um, we, we don't need an internet cafe right now uh, uh, or, or a gaming hub, but mm. we do need a work source. Yeah. We do know. need, we do need hair salons. Hair, you know, some of these ladies need their nails done and things. Yeah. And that's, that's I not mean, to say that many, I'm one of those guys that. How many women are small good. business owners at nail salons? That's what I was. You know what I mean? Yes. Like those people are suffering too. Those women are suffering too. I thought we cared about women. I thought we cared about equality. You're at, at letting, 2020, I thought that changed about three years ago. We've been gradually getting better as a society. I was told. I thought I thought we were trying to do that. I thought mm -hmm. we were trying to make sure that women, you know, earned more than seventy cents to the dollar or whatever. But if you're not allowing them to open their businesses back up. I don't understand how you're any better than the 
villain that you're preaching against years ago, you know, like, and well, and then also looking at there, there's the shutdown of so many different places and the thinning out of workers. There's one place and I I shared an article earlier about this um, nursing homes. They don't, they're not having reductions in hours. And if anything, they're having an increase in hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are, we're already without us, any of us having to read a new article, without us needing new information, we know these are not the cleanest places. Mm. We know these are not the most uh, well taken care of facilities. And these are some of the more carefree workers because a good portion of them don't want the job. It's a decent second or third job for them. And one of the most vulnerable populations. And 1,000% one, 1, one of the most vulnerable populations. And you consider that... Um, not just per the article, but again, from what we already know, these workers are traveling room to room to room. And I'll give, I'll start at the top of your room. A could be, Oh, Hey, Miss Johnson, we're gonna, um, just be turning your bed over today. Room B can be as simple as, Hey, how you doing? Mr. Mr. Carter. We're going to come in, got your food ready for you, got your TV, everything's good. Room C, you're changing someone's diaper. Room D, you just have to feed someone else. Yep. Room E, you're changing someone else or you're dealing with some other type of bodily fluid. You don't know if this person's sick. This person could be here simply because they're already sick. Everyone in the nursing home isn't sick, but everyone in the nursing home isn't healthy either. Mm. And so when you're doing that, there's no one standing there to ensure that they're, they're clean gloves and things like that. The point I'm getting at is this. They're applying so much regulation to the things in the places like restaurants. That already have a standard of cleanliness. Yeah. Extensive standards of cleanliness. Right. And then these other places like nursing homes. And um, gyms. And, and gyms, which, and, and, uh, which falls into the category of the places I was about to mention. These places who are constantly getting write-ups and getting yeah. uh, uh, um, things on their, their health codes and things, they're not only allowed to stay open, there are no regulations. Mm-hmm. There are no changes. There's no monitoring. Right. There's no, no. monitoring. I, no. I find it appalling that I can rather read an article or talk to someone and know that there's a plausibility that there is a facility in any state, in any country, on in any con- uh, uh, continent on this planet that every single member, staff, and visitor nearing 750 could possibly have contracted this virus simply because of a lack of, under, uh, uh, not understanding, but a lack of compliance with the current cleanly standards. Mm-hmm. That place shouldn't even be open. Right. Before the virus. Are. Yeah. Before the virus. That of course. place shouldn't be open. But not only are they still open, they're still taking new admittance. That's scary. Mm-hmm. And Well, I mean, I, you got to think about it. Look at it this way. If the virus is the way it is and it's behaving the way that everything is telling us, why in the world would it be a good idea? And look, I'm not saying that this shouldn't be a thing, but if we're using this logic, why are grocery stores safe? Why are 200 people in a grocery store any safer than 30 people, 40 people in a restaurant? And it's not. Let's be honest. It's not. Right. So we're lying about the idea that grocery stores can maintain any level of safety more than a restaurant can. Restaurants have the facilities. Do you guys have the – are you guys being um, 
how can I put this? So from my experience for the grocery stores at the moment, I guess for the right now, I mean, long term, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I don't know how one can be compared with the other. Yeah, uh, yeah. But right now, mm. uh, are you guys being uh, marked off for for social distancing? Because that's the thing I've that's been the, the, the status quo for me the last month. Yeah, we have uh, lines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have it all there. Yeah. The sneeze guards, too, on the registers. Have they done that at the grocery yeah. stores? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, a lot of those stores I go to or a few of the stores I go uh, frequent regularly, they had the sneeze guards before this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I'm just, had them already. just want to bring that up because like what you're talking about, I, I, I would include this current scenario, even with that in play, because mm-hmm. you're still, you're still having a large gathering yeah. regardless of well, being outdoor I'll give or yeah. in the building. An example yeah. of that. You're to, all in to, one to, building. Yeah. An example of that, Jose, I had to take it actually, I had to take a small trip to the grocery store today and I dreaded it because I had to go in for two things. And I was just like, I, can I go with it? I, I was really going through my head thinking what I had. Do I need oh, to I go got, to every store? time, every time I go out now, I, I reset the clock. Yep. Guess Basically, I'm like, I've got to reset the clock. I could get it in 14 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yep. that's the way I see it. <laughs> and um, I had gotten to a point where I actually got out of line and went to the end of the line because I felt like, there was a bottleneck situation going on mm. where mm-hmm. you have the self-serve registers and then there's supposed to be another line here. So you have the self-serve registers. That line goes here and it turns here. Then yeah. This line starts right behind where that ends and then veers off to the right. And then you're supposed to go register every other register, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem. The self-checkout doesn't have the lines. Right. But the regular checkout does. And then they still merge. So there's people coming from the regular trying to get here and they don't know which way they're going. They're in the wrong lines. There was a point that I saw, and this is when I got out of line. There were about nine people, not four, not three, <laughs> nine people that probably could have stood in one shopping cart. They were that close. Yeah. And I just I just removed myself from that little environment. I was like, there's no I don't I personally could not stand near it. Just thinking to myself, you guys are the petri dish for this right now yeah well like you, guys I, are, you guys are creating it out of thin air by being careless right well and i think you know <clears throat> the argument is that obviously grocery stores are essential essential so they have to remain yes. open so they have to just kind of deal with it and i totally agree with that and i i'm i understand that i'm not asking for grocery stores to be shut down all i'm saying is just mere, merely illustrating a point is that we are at risk at grocery stores at well as well as well, well, as, well yeah. as well as everywhere else so if somewhere like a restaurant that has the equipment to sanitize and they always had they can sanitize every stitch of silverware they can sanitize every table they can sanitize the floors you know like no restaurant has carpet anymore everything is all you know linoleum so they can be sanitized every inch of a restaurant can be sanitized on a, a basis of every 20 minutes, if possible, if, if necessary, it can be done. So the idea that, like you said, we're being held to the standards of a place that doesn't have like that never had those standards to begin with mm-hmm. is shocking to me, because I think if any industry is capable of reopening, it'd be the restaurant the rest industry. They are the ones that, I mean, like we food handling is all about sanitation and every one of our employees has taken a food handling class they all know 
how to properly wash their hands, how to properly sanitize surfaces, how to properly handle food so there's no cross-contamination. Yes. Every, every one of them yep. knows that because you know what? They've been working in restaurants for decades. Most of our employees have been with us for a long, long time, and they know the game. Those are all so, questions on their grading on their uh, grading scale. They don't yeah. get a paycheck if they answer that question. Wrong. Yeah, they know this yeah. part, and it's so it's shocking to me that that we are going to allow restaurants to be one of the last things to come back when they're so well equipped to handle a situation like this. All right, and I, and, and in short, I think that is simply an understanding of the way things move. Um, we understand that. The average person, when they think of cleanliness, they think of two places, a hospital and their home. Yeah. Um, I've been told time and time again, a hospital is not one of the cleanlier, cleanest, cleaner places. It's probably one of the filthier places you'll ever be in your life. Mm. Oh, yeah. Certainly. But that's Certainly. not how we're trained. That's not what we're, we believe in our society as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jose, what's the next article you got for us? All right, give me a moment. Oh, we're already running on time. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, damn. Well, well let's just wrap up our thoughts, huh? Oh, I do want to um, let let's give a a brief um, on the interview. The interview? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's a good uh, one. Call it what? Forty-five seconds apiece. Just a brief thought on it. Uh we might want to save that for another time because I think okay. we can actually give it a little bit more justice, especially because of the source of the interview. Where there needs to be a lot of context, yeah, context. and pre yeah. pre qualifying and all of yeah. that shit. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we got more stuff to talk to you guys about, and so you know we've already kind of run past our bedtime here. Um, so we're probably going to have to wrap it up pretty soon. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. We got a lot of really good stuff coming up. I think our next episode is probably going to be more about our, um, political compasses. We all took the political compass test. If you're not aware with that, uh, aware of that, you can visit it at, uh, political Um, it's basically uh 36, 40, question uh quiz that will help you understand where you might fall on the political political spectrum uh it's quite in enlightening um pretty easy to answer uh and it can give you a good perspective of where you stand in the the political world and it also gives you a good you know piece of proof that if you're ever called some sort of right-wing crazy uh, you can just show them your political compass and say, no, actually, I am a left-leaning liber libertarian. Thank you very much. That's right. Uh, so um, we're going to probably share that with you guys. We're probably going to go through a couple of those questions as well because there were some that really kind of sparked our interests and thought make good for uh, good discussions. So um, stay tuned for that episode. We're still going to try to get out a um, some sort of review um, of a movie or a TV show soon. So bear with us on that. If you have any suggestions, just hit us with a comment, hit us with a message, with an email. Let right. us know what you guys want to hear from us. And we're eager to watch your suggestions. 
Yeah, absolutely. We want, we want to engage with you guys. I know we're a tiny channel and we basically got zero followers right now, but we're hoping that we can do this, you know, in the, in the long term. We're hoping that you guys like what we're doing here and we hope to get better for you guys. We obviously want to make something entertaining. Um, it, this is something that we're all kind of new at. And so we're going to get better, you know, as you listen. And we hope that you enjoy the journey. Couldn't have said it better myself. Likewise. Um, for thinkering, I'm Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. Thanks a lot, guys.